Do you have permission to hunt? Who first gave humans permission to hunt? Welcome to the Rock Dove Publications Quill. During today's uh, program, we'll be looking at what the Bible has to say about hunting and who first gave permission to hunt. You'll also be hearing uh, an entry read by uh, Mercy Sharp from my book, Devotions for Dog Lovers. I hope that you enjoy today's program. Your host has spent decades studying the Bible in the original languages. He holds degrees from the University of Wisconsin, Moody Bible Institute, Asbury Theological Seminary, and Bethel Theological Seminary. With the help of some of his friends, in 1994, Dr. Rako founded a national volunteer ministry to hunters. He is an author, dog trainer, and speaker. Tom served as a full-time pastor for 36 years. Now here is your host, Dr. Tom Rako. Rail Rider. Scripture reading, Isaiah 53, 1 through 9. The true significance of the monetary relief he collected for needy kids would be difficult to figure. The amount of $2,500, which was no small sum in those days, can be calculated. However, the actual comfort that help brought to a specific group of children cannot. In addition, this attempt to try and alleviate human suffering required both time and travel. Indeed, Help spent three years of his life riding on railway cars, and he did so with a collection bank hung around his neck. Nevertheless, this work of compassion didn't just happen. The fact is, Help went because someone sent him. He was sent with a specific purpose in mind. You see, Help was a dog, a canine that some caring, creative person commissioned for the noble cause of raising funds for children. Help traveled the rails with a bank fastened to his collar, a collar that was inscribed with the words, I am Help, the Railway Dog of England, and traveling agent for orphans of the railway men who are killed on duty. Help was also held in high honor. It is reported that Help always returned safely with the collection in his collar bank from each of his fundraising adventures. Nevertheless, when Christ came into this world, he was not so well received. The Bible tells us he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and familiar with suffering. Isaiah 53, 3. And again, the scripture states, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John 1, 11. The dog named Help was sent to provide a few orphans with temporary financial support. However, Christ came from heaven to a sin-filled world for an even greater task. Jesus came in order that every girl, boy, man or woman 
could receive the greatest and most needed gift of all, namely eternal life. John wrote in his first letter, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4.10 And again, John states, The Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John 4.14 It seems remarkable that a dog collecting money was welcomed, whereas, for the most part, the Son of God who came to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew 20.28, was not. As believers, we shouldn't be surprised if we are not well received. After all, Jesus warned his disciples, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. John 15, 18. Yes, rejection is a common experience in the Christian life. Even so, we are not alone, but in good company. Christ experienced the same rejection. Prayer Father, thank you for sending us help from heaven. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. May you use me to bring others to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You can learn more about the book that tells this true story and others. For example, find out how dogs in Bible times were used to fulfill specific prophecies. Discover how some dogs with disabilities did some amazing things. Hear how a dog collected money for orphans. Learn about the first canine to be launched into outer space. Gain insight as to how God is using dogs in our world today, and much more. To order your copy of Devotions for Dog Lovers, go to the Rock Dove Publications website at www.rockdove.com. Again, to get your copy of Devotions for Dog Lovers, visit rockdove.com. Who first said it was okay for humans to hunt? Well, ultimately, it was God who granted permission to hunt. According to the Bible, more than 4,000 years ago, a man named Nimrod was the first to become famous for his activities in the field. Sometime after the flood in Noah's day, Genesis 6-9, and before the confusion of language of Babel, Genesis 11-1-9, Nimrod appeared on the stage of human history. The Bible says concerning him, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, Genesis 10.9. Later in the biblical record, we also find Esau being described as a skillful hunter, Genesis 25.27. It should be noted that Esau, as an individual, uh, has periodically been cited as an example to justify hunting and by others to discredit it. While it's true that Esau hunted, He's also described as being sexually immoral and godless, Hebrews 12:16. It was evidently the character of Esau that was called in question and not his practice of hunting. However, the inception of hunting must ultimately be traced back to God himself. It was he who told Noah, Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything, Genesis 9:3. Along with this, the Lord instructed Noah and his family regarding their behavior as it related to the taking of another creature's life. 
but you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each man, too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Genesis chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. You know, there are hunting regulations found in the Bible, and they offer insight into the extent of hunting. The inclusion of certain passages in the Torah, and by Torah I'm referring to the first five books of the Old Testament, but these passages included in the Torah not only reveal that hunting was a legitimate practice for the Hebrews, but that hunting would eventually become common enough in the Holy Land to require specific guidelines. The Israelites were told how to treat the blood of harvested game. In Leviticus chapter 17, verses 13 and 14, here's what we're told. Any Israelite or any alien living among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth, because the life of every creature is its blood. That is why I have said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature, because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. They were also told what wildlife was permissible to eat. This list included the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 5, and also Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 15. Hunting language in the Bible also indicates that there was a common knowledge of hunting. Another factor that seems to convey the possibility that hunting among the ancient Hebrews was more widespread than has been previously assumed is seen in that there are a number of times in which hunting imagery is clearly used. This would tend to imply that the biblical writers were familiar with various forms of hunting, as were the initial hearers or readers of their message. Otherwise, it would seem unlikely that the biblical writers would have relied on such a means of communicating their message if it was not going to be understood. Such imagery is used to convey King Saul hunting David as a person hunts a partridge in the mountains, for Samuel chapter 26, verse 20, the destructive end of one who is seduced by an adulteress with persuasive words, Proverbs chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, and the individual's personal experience with his enemies being described in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 52, and the powerless position of a people under God's judgment, Isaiah fifty-one twenty. Certain aspects of hunting were evidently familiar enough to at least some of the biblical writers and the recipients of their message that they used imagery that was descriptive of hunting practices to express themselves or relay their message. At the same time, we find by clear references to hunting weapons and also by the hunting imagery contained in the scriptures that there were apparently a variety of methods used for taking game. According to scholar M.C. Tenney, writing in the Zondervan Pictorial Encyclopedia, some of the weapons listed or referred to in the Bible are, quote, the bow and arrow, Genesis 27.3, nets for birds and fish, Proverbs 1.17, Ecclesiastes 9.12, traps, Amos 3.5, and pits into which animals would fall, Ezekiel 19, verses 1 to 4, unquote. Sometimes the same type of weapon was spoken of in a variety of ways. For example, in the Bible, we find that besides being an instrument used in hunting and warfare, the bull also serves to convey such things as powerlessness, 
1 Samuel 2, 4, Psalm 37, 14 to 15, and power, 2 Samuel 22, 35, and an instrument to communicate a prophecy, 2 Kings 13, verses 10 to 25. In modern times, there continues to be differing views regarding what types of weapons are acceptable with which to hunt. However, it's important to note that the Bible does not focus upon the appropriateness of hunting as it pertains to the weapon or method used. Rather, there is an emphasis laid upon the types of game which can be taken, Deuteronomy 14.5, and the manner in which the blood is to be handled, Leviticus 17.13-14. In the wisdom literature, we even find that the person who harvests game and does not take care of what he has taken receives comment. The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions, Proverbs 12.27. However, we have no clearly established guidelines that pertain to hunting instruments. Does this imply that God is only concerned about humans? On the contrary, there is ample evidence in scriptures to prove otherwise. In the book of Genesis, we find that God preserved animals and birds from the flood in Noah's day by directing an ark to be built, Genesis 6-9. We also find in the New Testament that even such an insignificant creature as a little sparrow is important. Jesus told his disciples, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God, Luke chapter 12, verse 6. From early on, God gave the Israelites specific guidelines for how animals and birds were to be treated. These directives included such things as rest on the Sabbath, Exodus 20, verse 10, 23, verse 12, and Deuteronomy 5, 14. The way work was to be accomplished, Deuteronomy 22, 10, 25, 4. Provisions of food to be left for wild animals, Exodus 23, verses 10 to 11, and Leviticus 25, verses 6 to 7, and proper treatment of a bird with her young, Deuteronomy 22, verses 6 to 7. The book of Proverbs made it clear that the way a person treated an animal was a reflection upon their true moral character. A righteous man cares for the needs of his animal, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel, Proverbs 12, 10. When we come back, we're going to make some closing remarks here as we've delved into a little bit of what the Bible has to say about hunting and who first gave permission to hunt. What does the Bible have to say about hunting? In Hunting in the Bible, a scripture safari by Dr. Tom Rako. Find out how people hunted in Bible times. Learn about the existence of ancient hunting lists. Acquire a knowledge of the scriptures with regards to God's concern for both animals and birds. Discover specific hunting regulations found in the Old Testament. Gain insight into what the scriptures have to say concerning modern-day hunting practices and much more. This book will help you to become an expert in knowing what the Bible has to say about hunting. To order your copy of Hunting in the Bible, a scripture safari, go to the RockDove Publications website, rockdove.com. Visit rockdove.com today. Well, as we've been looking at who first granted permission to hunt. We see that God did. 
And, you know, the value that God's Word reveals regarding various creatures is not merely limited to food for humans. They were used for things like clothing, Genesis 3.21, material for the tabernacle, you know, that portable place of worship, Exodus 20, verse 24, Leviticus 1.5, as instruments of provision for bringing food, 1 Kings 17, when God used ravens to feed Elijah, instruments of God's punishment, Leviticus 26, verses 21 to 22, Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9, 2 Kings 2, and instruments of divine providence in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, and chapter 2, and chapter 4, and 1 Samuel 6. We see they were used as instruments of prophetic fulfillment. Even so, despite the incredible value that the non-human members of creation seem to hold, from a biblical perspective, there is no indication that God has retracted his original authorization in Genesis 9, which allows for humans to be sustained through the consumption of animals and birds. Well, we are going to continue our study as far as what the Bible has to say. Uh, most of this information is taken from Hunting in the Bible, a scripture safari that I wrote a number of years ago, and uh, I hope you enjoy that the study as we continue on. You've been listening to the Rock Dove Publications podcast with your host, Dr. Tom Rako. This program has also been brought to you by The Quilted Arrow, home of intelligent, stylish, field-bred English pointers with bloodline streams from Hall of Fame champion Guardrail. Thank you so much for listening. Now this is Beth Rako inviting you to join us again next time on the Rock Dove Publications Podcast. <music>